0: Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Have a Good Night Court. This is the first episode, which is a preamble, right? So we're just talking about why we love Night Court, why we love the 80s, why we love sitcoms. We're going to meander a little bit, and eventually we're leading up to the pilot, episode one, which is the next podcast. So it's the first ever Night Court podcast. It's the first ever episodic sitcom podcast by us the jerk practice who also have our mother podcast on itunes the jerk practice so feel free to go check that out so we're gonna grow we're gonna evolve but like i said this is just a little setup so uh welcome we got 193 episodes to go and let's get at it gavel bang
1: welcome to the Jerk Practice Podcast, the the B-Squad here, it's just uh, me, Casey. And I'm HD, and I'm here to say, I don't have anything else. We're
0: <laughs> going to watch Night Court. In the baddest way. Uh, <laughs> so, are we having a good, wait, 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 wait. Did you introduce the Jerk Practice Podcast and now we're into having a good night court?
1: No, I just, I it rhymed for, I had a nice rhyme going. Oh, all right, that works. I thought I'd, I thought I'd carry it over just to give him a little hint, a little preview, a little teaser. All right, so it is a.
0: <laughs> I don't know what platform we're on. It doesn't matter,
1: but it does kind of. We are currently talking because we are currently. We just interrupted Henning and Allison for some hot nonsense. Stuff it. They've Stuff got- it, nerds. I
0: can't. I couldn't take any more of that Drake
1: equation. I I think that was episode two. We didn't get to Drake equation in the one I listened to. Oh, episode thirty nine is rife
0: with Drake equation. Equation
1: like a like a Sunday morning church biscuit. <laughs> that baby is a gospel according
0: to H bomb, and it Let's... is in depth.
1: Wet, juicy farts and boners. Then to cleanse your palate. Yeah, for yeah. Your the, return. To- this is a
0: nice little break
1: from that. I for, I forget what's going on. I, uh, yeah, I don't know. But- not to make fun of those guys. It was really funny and fun to listen to. But I was like, man, when I'm not there, they talk about like words and shit. <laughs> oh, I'm and I'm sitting right in the middle of them,
0: trying to um derail that train as best I can. Trying to be
1: that uh, war, holy and anarchist. Oh my God! That's the it's it's you got Henning. That's what Henning has to go through. Oh yeah, I got. It's like it's like taking Howard Stern out of his comfort zone and putting him on uh, fresh air. Yeah, it's uh, Freaky Friday. He's got to mind his P's and Q's. He can't be talking about throwing ping pong balls and hookers butt cracks. (laughs) Like you gotta keep that stuff PC. Oh yeah, PG. Oh yeah, that was a
0: lot of fun though. I I I I I don't know what we're interrupting, but I know I enjoyed it and I know I learned a lot.
1: Like a classic black Bundy, here we
0: come. Bundy How was your night last night?
1: Uh, fine. Did were you, you have watching me?
0: Did you have a good night?
1: <laughs> I had a very good night. I did. Yeah, I had a good night. Court. <laughs> Have a good night, Court. We spec we speculated about it. We talked about it. We said we were going to do something about it.
0: And now we're rambling right into it. Right
1: into it. Like keyword on do.
0: ramble. This is the preeminent like couple- Night Court podcast. Welcome the to have a good night, Court. Welcome to have a good night, Court. What character do you want to be, Bull or Selma? I think that's the actress's name. No.
1: Oh yeah, that's she. She was great. In her little, she got the intro fucking gag. No, she, in, in episode one? Oh, yeah. I don't know if you watched the appropriate episode. I what you, do, you don't You do see her, the first time you see her is in the intro. Oh, in the credits. And she, yeah, the opening credits, because the cold open is them, like, wait, waiting on the judge. Oh, yeah, they are. That judge wears oh. jeans. He does, and cool sweatshirts. Oh yeah, uh, kind of, I guess should we should we talk about Night Court before we go into the episode? Oh, absolutely. I was
0: even thinking about taking it one step further and giving a little background on why we would even do it's 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 not serious, but it is. Why would we even spend our time talking about a sitcom? Uh, any sitcom, particularly Night Court. Yeah, and I was thinking about it, and as jokingly, jokingly. As um, uh, comical or seemingly um, antiquated as it is, sitcoms, especially sitcoms in the 80s, is like, that's the predominant, what would you say? That's the predominant form of entertainment throughout the 80s, is the sitcom. The
1: The most consumed form of media, I would say.
0: Without a doubt, prior to the internet and everything like that, like this is what people talked about. The yeah. episodes, and uh, this is what I talked about, I guess, uh, and I don't think we're alone. As you, you, we can see in a number of uh, different podcasts and, and platforms out there that are talking about uh, sitcoms and their love of sitcoms. Well,
1: when do you think, what like, what ruined sitcoms for people? Like, because when we were in middle school, high school, like, sitcoms were extremely passe, and it was a joke, like, as a young adult, I was like, oh, yeah, most sitcoms were terrible, which is not the case going right. back and looking. Like, Frasier, Golden Girls. Like, these are legit, really funny, well-scripted shows. Right. There was a there was a trend, uh, uh, I guess. Or is that just,
0: like... No, 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 you're absolutely right. There was a trend in, like, the t- 2000s or at least, like, There was a shift where it was like, I don't know if it was like an MTV shift or like an apathy shift where like the situation comedy was garbage. And a lot of it is. And I think there's a big there's a lot of responsibility should put on the shoulders of people that saw sitcoms as a uh, as more of an algorithm than an art form. So they saw what uh-huh. was successful and didn't look at the real reasons like good right. writing or um, good editing or competent bits or crazy premises uh, sure. or crazy broad premises that didn't just hold themselves onto one episode and then just tried to pump it out. That's why you get things well, like
1: – It's true. I guess because we've talked about on the last few podcasts some extremely – and I feel like we're getting kind of back in that territory where – the powers that be are desperately trying to destroy, not necessarily the sitcom anymore, but like network television. Because we had talked about like the Clerks show and the Bill and Ted show. Those shows are offensively bad. Right. <laughs> yes. Whether yes. you like the source material or not. Let's say you go in just clean. You'd be like, why are you making me watch this? Like you would be, I you would... Be mad at me if I was like Hans you have to watch this
0: right so let's take the clerk sitcom for example uh preface it as always with how much of uh, a fan and how much I love Kevin Smith I kind of think the clerk sitcom is a fever dream because I keep wanting to hear I listen to his podcast all the time I listen to him speak all the time I keep wanting yeah. to hear him mention its existence and I just recently heard him. He has a podcast uh, on Frasier. All right. Bring it back. On his uh, yeah yeah uh, uh, Talk Salad and Scrambled Eggs, his podcast with uh, Matt Myra. Um, and he mentions he directs a couple episodes of Getting Back to Sitcoms, a great sitcom that's on the air right now, The Goldbergs. Are you familiar with it at all? I know of it. I've never seen an episode. It's quite good. I recommend it. It's, I think you'll an, really it's dig it. It's set
1: in the 80s, right? Yeah. Like that's the aesthetic is a, a young kid in the 80s or something. Really
0: broad. like And, and yeah. so Patton Oswald is the narrator. He plays Adam Gold well, He's just the narrator, a la Wonder Years. And he introduces each episode. The year was 1980 something. And then they introduce mm-hmm. the premise. The year was 1980 something. And Back to the Future was huge. So you know which section you're in the 80s, right? Gotcha. So So okay. uh, uh, it, it's very, very good. And uh, why was I going to? Oh, and Kevin Smith apparently directs two episodes, right? Yeah. Uh, and he explained on, that this was his first time in the foray of television. And in my head, I'm going, how is this possible that you had a sitcom named after your uh, opus and it's yeah. never mentioned? I know. I mean, I, I get it because it's so so bad. But is it possible that Kevin Smith uh, had so little rights to his film that he yeah. literally had zero say in it? That's exactly
1: what it is. I think. Oh, I, I mean, all I right. I don't know. I don't. He may have mentioned it uh, in his book that talk tough shit or talk shit. I read that. I, I, I guess it could, and I could have um, glanced over it. But yeah. Uh, Me, that's what I think, because I I recall hearing him mention sort of that era. Like, I literally think, like, to get clerks distributed and to get mall rats made, he just, like, I think, like, you know, he talks about that producer friend of his, Jim Jacks. Yeah. I think that was just solely a studio thing. I think that's when that happened, when it was under the tent of, like... Your your indie movie – like, they couldn't – they don't have the long view of, like, it will just be this cult classic. Like, right. It's still in that time where it's, like, if something's a cult classic, it doesn't mean it has – long. you know. It, people haven't found a way to, like, make money off of that. Sure. They do, but, like, the cult of the cult classic. Because I, I think he was just, like, if you want to make real money, we got to make this a TV show, a sitcom. Sure. So I think it was made without his say. I mean,
0: I it was certainly his input, and this isn't. Well, I don't think we're Kevin Smith Smith bashing because I wouldn't do that. But this also isn't the Kevin Smith podcast. But he puts out so much material, there will we eventually should, we, be
1: one. We we should do one because he'd be on it.
0: <laughs> I, I don't. Uh, well, I would love. I'd love to to meet him and talk to him about all the shit he's done, including this. Um, Oh, uh how was i getting to that uh and it's not the bash jim brewer podcast but no jim brewer has he been attached to oh you know what i was going to say has jim brewer been attached to anything that uh uh been well received and he was although i don't know if it was well received he was in half baked and that was a that was yeah. a pr- that was a movie that uh didn't get uh um i don't think it did well but it's a now. I a would cult say it's classic. a cult classic. I do not like it at all. Yeah, can you?
1: I real quick, and then we'll get back to having our night court. Uh, I just session. Do, it's one of those movies, like, and I work at a movie theater now, and they've uh been sh- they showed Donnie Darko, which is another movie people love that I cannot stand. I can. I'm on board with that. It's not my cup of tea. Um, but I feel like. I get, I dislike, I start to dislike things more when I have to be defensive about my opinion. Of course. Like, I just, I have seen these movies. I don't care for them. But the moment you try and make me look like an idiot for not liking it is the moment it turns into, like, vitriolic hatred of a movie. Which I don't really have. I just, if you want to be combative about it, I'll be combative about it with you.
0: Yeah, no, uh, When in talking about art in general... It's always good to have a discussion on uh like the aspects of it, but it, it tends to be very cut and dry, broad question and responses, which does nobody any good. Say get right. out. I haven't seen get out, but let's just say get out. Yeah. Everybody seems to love it, I've talked to. So I see yep. it. Somebody comes up, uh, would you have you seen Get Out? Yeah, yeah, I saw uh-huh. it. What'd you think of it? Yeah, I didn't like it
1: no way it's great and it's like but that Mm -hmm. doesn't do us any good no snl did that really great sketch a few months ago la la land the la la land police sketch yeah that's right which i can uh, definitely attest to like that's what people thought of like working in a movie theater like people just love that movie which is fine you you can love it but I didn't hear anybody speak up about how they didn't care for it. Sure. I just think it's just like, I don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear no guff.
0: I guess when I was, I guess I was, I'm sure, no guess, I'm sure I was more judgmental one of films when I was younger. Like, when we say Donnie Darko, like, I'm just not a, it doesn't do it for me. But I could give a shit, obviously. It it, certainly, there's a, a huge swath that loves it. But I also definitely don't give a shit about what other people like whereas whether yeah. i was uh vocal about it or not and i was probably vocal like if somebody said something like goonies was terrible i'd be like what like what what's oh, wrong yeah, course, you don't love yeah. fun like you don't it's like the same thing it's it's well it's not the same i was going to say it's similar to somebody saying like comic books are for nerds which people don't say anymore because the culture has yeah. totally shifted but it let's just say it's somebody saying comic books are for little kids right right and yeah, I'm sure yeah. I'm sure in certain circles that's still that is still ignorantly said because they Sorry. don't know anything a, a, about it um but uh oh, I, I totally lost my train of thought there but uh um, no
1: but i I agree with what you I think you were getting at earlier like you do you do that shit when you're younger because you, that's what defines you, because you're that's not passion, a, a yeah. fully formed person yet. So mm-hmm. what you are is this cobbled collection of likes and dislikes. So if someone dislikes something you like, it is an attack on you, the fiber, the fabric of who you are at that moment. That's a because great you point. Haven't, you haven't went out and made anything or done anything like or had a job or. I feel like if you go out and create something you don't have to it doesn't invalidate your opinion if you don't but like that process makes you more appreciative yes of just anything like i am that person now like i there i'll see movies or read comics or something i don't like but i appreciate the choice like if if the show made a choice it's not it didn't pan out for them like i get it i was like but you tried let's go to the the biggest
0: I think the most easily um graspable graspable the the easiest concept being sketch comedians is bashing yeah. Saturday night live, right? When sure. you're when you're yeah, on a yeah. I guess it's when we're on a stage and we totally tank with an idea we worked so hard on and it's happened numerous times, how can yeah. you then go watch an episode of SNL and and, ba- and, and you know what? I'm really conflicted even as I say this because of the resources that are available and all of this. But at the same time, nobody – I forget who said it and, it. and again, it might even come full circle to Kevin Smith. Nobody sets out to make
1: bad art. You can see in the in the process – like, you can tell when a movie's just a straight-up piece of crap money grab.
0: Yeah, I was going to say there's that caveat for sure. The Like, like the, the Italian shark money grab.
1: Like, I I recently watched uh, Ashley'd Fallen Asleep, and I'd heard it was bad. I knew I wasn't going to like it. It was the last X-Men movie. Was it Logan? I heard that was good. Yeah. That, I heard, was good. This was a X-Men Age of Apocalypse or some shit. X-Men Apocalypse. That They, they spent, like, a billion dollars on that. I remember,
0: like, that was all that was advertised in Manhattan what, over the- And
1: that's what made me mad. Like, yeah, I, I have a connection to those characters, so when they're done poorly, of course, I'll have a reaction. Like, eh, you didn't really do the characters justice, but it's not fair because there's 65 years of X-Men stories. Sure. And yeah. To distill that down and- but what really pissed me off was i I was how much money was spent on this movie and it feels really low budget it feels like an episode of Doctor who and what can you
0: elaborate on that like for a special effects kind of situation
1: just everything despite the the scope they're trying to make it's this character called Apocalypse and he's literally going to destroy the world sure yeah like The entire world. He's going to wipe everybody out. The strongest will survive. That's his catchphrase. So the stakes are huge. Maybe I'm just burnt out on the stakes being like, oh, it's the end of the world again. Right. That's really... (laughs) But those are the stakes. There are three to four CG set pieces that show this like New York City coming apart, like Cairo turning to dust. And then it gets to really small... And it's, you can tell it's a soundstage, like three levels of stuff. And they're just like running and jumping off of that.
0: Yeah. No, no. Um, what do you call it? It's all digital effects versus uh, uh, not tangible effects. What's that called? There's some just uh, Practical. Practical effects. Thank you.
1: Not- uh, so, it, you know, at the end of the day, it was just me. I was like. I I, I will fully admit I do not like Brian Singer's style of directing. He's still directing X-Men, huh? He does that a lot. Right. He has these super close-up scenes feel like the set of a cheap TV show.
0: Sure. And then
1: he'll go, like, I don't know why. I don't know why, but I, I was watching it and I was like, I, again, it was me doing the old speculate like we do. I was like, that motherfucker, someone's skimming off the top.
0: Oh, yeah, sure.
1: Because, like, $500 million got spent on this movie, and you do not see that money on the screen.
0: Yeah, that's interesting when you think about that. And then I've heard uh, people involved, like directors and producers, and, and and they they make these huge movies with these huge budgets. Yeah. And then some of them that are successful... That have these literally like billion dollar windfalls, mm-hmm. then the studio literally will mark off that project as a um, like a write off, like bankruptcy, like they didn't make any money. It's really, really like lawyery, conniving kind of shit. Like it's it's straight up producer shit somewhere in there.
1: No, and that's like there there were seven screenwriters. There's probably twelve producers. It was just a giant clunky mess of a thing. Yeah. And that, it's just, I was like, eh. S- So I, d- I, yeah, so I guess, long story short, dislike the movie, like, won't, wouldn't, like, belittle anybody for going, I really liked, X. like, cool, it spoke to you somewhere. You're, like. Yeah, oh, right, it? right. At least you encountered some form of art, whether it be, like, I don't know, like, you saw something in it. Great. It was worth the twelve dollars for you.
0: Yeah, i I saw the same. I saw a movie, not the same movie. I saw a movie last night, a a, a movie called Chapter Twenty Seven, starring Jared Leto, where he played Mark David Chapman.
1: Oh, uh, he gained all that weight for the. He part, gained right? a lot of
0: weight for it, and that movie should have been called Jared Leto gained a lot of weight. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it just didn't do it. It just didn't do it for me. But, uh, I mean, Jared Leto is a great actor. And he makes really mm-hmm. good acting choices. This was a very deliberately large version of Mark David Chapman from what I've seen. It was yeah. uh, less subtle than... Uh, it, what it, it, I don't know. It just, again, it didn't do anything for me. Not uh, It obviously had a big budget and you don't see... Oh, I'm not a big budget, but for that, you just don't see like the, the, that scope of movie happening much anymore that's either not completely independent, mm-hmm. quote, in quotes, or yeah. a billion dollar budget. Like that medium film has been, like sure. the romantic, like the comedy, like the filmed yeah. comedy, they don't get made anymore. You don't get the man no. with one red shoe anymore. You get no. Ghostbusters. Because they know that it's either go big or go home. Sucks. Go big or go very very small. Because if you try and middle that market, it it's like um, yeah, it just has potential for financial disaster.
1: No, and it's like if you think if it's a major studio, they're going to spend X amount of money on the advertising in the media yeah. buy-ins, and that price is the same for Ghostbusters as it would be for Man with One Red Shoe. <laughs> Right. You know, like, so they're like, I'm not going to sell Tom Hanks toys. They should. We should make Man with One Red Shoe figures because there is a market out there. I have never seen
0: The Man with One Red Shoe. Is it good?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really? I think it's, on- it's fun. It's like Tom Hanks sort of actiony spy. It's one of those where he's mistaken for a, a spy. So there's is- a little political intrigue, a little sexy. Is there a different movie where... uh I think I keep getting
0: mixed up with a different movie where a guy gives another guy one red shoe, and says, "When we meet again, these shoes will be a pair." And it's like a life or death struggle thing. That's I I don't know. I don't know. If, Anyways, I, guess I don't. Rec- yeah, that's on the. Do- Meg is out of town. I just got a message. She's flying to South Carolina to do some some uh, business stuff. So. While Meg is away, the Red Shoe will play. Yeah, you're
1: getting your Red Shoe out to go find
0: the other. I'm excited. Um, Holy shit. Have a good night, Court. (laughs) Uh, Can the audience... Is this what the audience can expect?
1: I know. I think we're... we're, Because we kind of talked about it before. We don't know... How or when to officially start the podcast? Right.
0: We're warming in, baby. We're warming so we're in. Kind Stay of, with as us, as we
1: always do. We're tiptoeing around the subject of like the hard start of how
0: yeah. should we begin. No, there's no, there's no need to say how should we begin. We've begun. We're talking begun. television. We're talking movies. We started this. We ended up on a tangent as we we mm-hmm. go. But I can, yeah. uh, I will say. Um, w- you and I have both done research. We've, we're going the, – yeah. the name of the game, the name of the podcast, the name of the night court is we're going episode by episode, uh, yeah. breaking it down. Within each episode, we'll try and illuminate you on a various actor or a character or the creator or the theme song – or yeah. uh, the way, uh, like we were starting, the way television was portrayed at the time, or the way New York was at the time. What was happening yeah. when the first episode came out in 1984? What was the, what was the world it was birthed into? It yeah. won't be necessarily so eloquent. There will be tangents. But we do yeah. promise, if you follow us and watch these episodes per episode, we will hit a lot of points that you as a, a night court fan or burgeoning fan will hit yeah. upon as well and i will open platforms so we can open up discussion on um things we might have missed things we might have liked to be honest yeah. this isn't a critical podcast i hadn't watched we discussed night court so um uh where i live in new york uh i just have rabbit ears i don't have cable and again, this is me holding on to my sitcom mentality. There's no oh, reason totally, yeah. for a television with rabbit ears to ever be turned on uh, without like your um, system on, right? Because you have Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, you know, all these other uh, avenues with all this amazing uh, programming, artistic with money behind it. But yeah. I'm so attuned to what how I grew up and television that I have rabbit ears with, say, like 15 channels. The majors, I think, are ABC, CBS, NBC, and Fox. And then Uh New York offers me and then the Octogenarians a channel that just shows murder mysteries, a channel called Laugh that just shows comedy. And Mm -hmm. by comedy, I mean they they show on a loop Ellen, her sitcom. I think it was The Ellen Show. Oh, yeah, 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 with Uh, Jeremy Piven. Right. With Jeremy Piven,
1: uh, which
0: is a fine show. Uh, I, 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 Again, it's interesting when I see a show like that or a show like I don't know if you remember a show called Grace Under Fire. Oh, yeah, of course. Not show. I couldn't pick out what <laughs> I was going to say. I couldn't pick out one episode, but I can tell you this for years of my life. I watched it on a weekly basis. And yeah, I say that here. I say that I couldn't pick out one episode, but I could pick up one episode where one little kid called another little kid an N-word. Uh, cuz I was <laughs> like, "Whoa, <laughs> that's, that's a good. spicy sitcom." And then the, and then he shaved his head to be a skinhead. very racial uh Brett yeah. Butler. Anyway, so uh and that's that's very interesting with a lot of these sitcoms and the way our generation grew up as well because yes, cable was expanding, but Yeah. We were still very much connected to weekly programming and my yeah. nights and the way I, and I' I mean it's just like it's not sexy to admit how much TV you watch, but I'm done uh I'm done trying to hide it or act oh, uh, yeah act more cultured or intelligent than I am.
1: No I I was gonna say I feel like you and I are the are Bill Murray from Scrooged. Like, right. when he goes back to see his self as a kid, and it's just him watching television, like, I remember as a kid watching that, I identified with Bill Murray's character immediately. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um,
0: uh, Oh, you know Jim Jeffries was in Scrooged? <laughs> Sidebar. Um, no, I didn't. Yeah. No, not Jim Jeffries. Excuse me. Jeffrey Joseph. No, what? I think he might be the little kid. <laughs> 'Cause uh, Henning and I I think we talk about this this episode or the last episode. There's a there's a great comedian and Henning and I saw him, we hadn't seen him in years, and he did a a stand up set, and I was like, Oh yeah, cool. Obviously he's great, but his um his credit, you know, when you bring somebody up on stage, it was our friend Eric Bergstrom's show, who soon will do the podcast, probably do a night court. Um, he brought him up. You bring you bring up your comedian with a credit, right? Uh late he yeah. did late night. I said uh, uh and Jeffrey Joseph was, you might know him from In Living Color. And I went, the fucking bullshit. I, I know everybody from In Living Color. So I think it was like an extra on In Living Color, but oh, I would amazing. do this if I would do the same thing. I'd say, bring me up to fucking In Living Color, even if I was
1: in a live taping of it. But, oh um, totally. They saw me in the crowd doing the Arsenio. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Holy Speaking shit. of how much we are uh such TV addicts when we first moved to New York it was me you and Timmy and because we were super poor but Timmy started making money yeah he got the full-on raw dog big kahuna cable package I'm gonna have to correct you there that
0: was me well, that was you. I was poor. <laughs> the Addict is the key word in more ways than one for me. Although I'm going to take addict out of television viewing because I don't want it to be negative. I was saying before, I, I listen to, because um, there's this idea that if you watch all this TV, you're somehow less than. And going to your
1: brain, huh? Yeah, I, I
0: completely brain. disagree. I think you can have a totally balanced life and stay up all night and watch TV. I listened to a great podcast with Lorraine Newman from Saturday Night Live. This woman uh, has uh, had an, a great career, uh, and, and as I say that now, might have been inhibited by yeah. too much television watching. She was in problem <laughs> child. She was in problem child too, right? The wife, uh, the
1: redhead. N- no, that wasn't. Uh, that was John Ritter's future wife.
0: Y- yeah. Well, the, they don't end up getting married because he doesn't like her. She's evil, isn't that Lorraine Newman? I don't think so. Oh. Uh doesn't matter. Anyways, Lorraine Newman was on a podcast, might have been Nerdist or something, and she just, they were like, "So what do you like to do?" They said that and keep in mind Lorraine Newman, she's famous, she has all the connections yeah. in the world, she's iconic. She just said, "I just like to f- I watch TV." And then she said something like, "I watch like 9 hours of TV a day." And it's like, "Good for you." I mean, maybe yeah, that's a little nervous. excessive, but probably yeah. not. I just think she's just one of the few people I've heard just admit it. Think about it. You yeah. sit down in front of Netflix, you start watching a show, and then maybe you've watched a movie throughout the day. There's your nine hours. It's like not. Easily. It's just not hard to get it. And then put put how many an hour or so online when you're viewing this or that. I mean, it's uh
1: oh, it's no it's different. different but we're talking about a time when like all you had was cable television.
0: Exactly.
1: Like, I, my parents were super cool. Like, they were cool. Like, they were, like, obviously, you know, go to bed at some point. But I remember being in, like, third grade, and we got a new TV for the family. So, we had this extra giant, clunky, huge 80s television, and they let me put it in my bedroom. Right. I had a TV in my room, and I was like, yeah, player. I had one And of those all it as meant well. was I stayed up late and watched, like e howard stern or like whatever sitcom was playing at that time like
0: oh yeah oh i was gonna so you had you had the tv in the bedroom with the cable i had the tv in the bedroom sans cable so my viewing and well my shift to vhs's happened right around what was it 1 a.m when the uh when the old stars stars and bowers the star spangled came on
1: probably yeah they didn't because that was the beginning of the late night Cause there's only a few channels that would play through the night and it was like comedy central sci-fi network, like all the new, newer cable stations, like the local yokels like would play the, you know, infomercials and shit or they
0: would shut off. Right. Oh God. Nothing more depressing than seeing, uh, the old seeing old that star, star spangled. spangled banner. Can you give me one second pin it? I'll be right back. Yeah. I'm back. Sorry. Did you leave a tasty treat for me?
1: I did. You actually reminded me of something.
0: Sorry. Uh, uh you
1: said you said what the fuck in that tone and I all I could because Easter is around the corner. Sure is. You may have to put on the blog uh our friend our fellow Milwaukee comedian. We may have to put those sets up. Uh that that comed- the last comedian of that like six hour bark, bark, open bark. mic show that yeah, who had the the story of Easter. I'll make a note of that. Absolutely I will. Uh I know that was a lot of talk for a little payoff for nobody that
0: No no no, it's good, it's good. Sorry, uh my uh friend to the podcast and fiance to me, she's flying out. I just wanted to give her a uh a, a high and bye before her plane took off. Um sit- sitcoms, Night Court. Uh I mean, I definitely had my goat so, oh, that's what I'm saying. So, what I have now and how I became reacquainted with Night Court is uh-huh. this channel called Laugh L A F F that plays Ellen and Drew Carey show, which is a great sitcom. Yeah.
1: Very, oh, yeah, very good
0: and very unique in its own. Um, well, we talk about it. There's similar similarities to that in Night Court, and we'll make a lot of similarities as we talk about this uh, sick this show. Um, in that, that Drew Carey is a very, uh, uh, interesting, like, um, variety of sitcom in that it's almost Simpsons-esque, to be honest. In that yeah. it had an overarching narrative, but you could pluck any episode out and watch it individually. Yeah. Uh, and I say that is unique because I like, The only overarching narrative of a lot of sitcoms was just that the characters grew older. Like, I, unless it was a two-part episode of Family Matters, none of the episodes related.
1: Right. They got to the point where it was like, okay, Laura has to stop going to high school, so she'll go to her new job. Yeah. But that was it. Like, they'll do a graduation, and then it's the same shit. She's leaving for something else.
0: Oh, and and again, I, I I have to you know we have to remember that the again it's more complex than just uh, start to finish because as I think of Family Matters, they started having running character, they started having a running theme of a personality changing machine. Oh yeah, Stefan. Look at that
1: little boy with that Jerry curl dance.
0: That is again, that is the weirdest one of the weirder characters in all of television. That and then the the little Italian kid from Who's the Boss with the froggy voice. Hey Tony, oh, like hey, they just—they just, Tony, they just literally doing? brought on a mini Tony Danza. <laughs> <laughs> he just yeah. dressed like him. He talked like him. He was womanizing at a young age. Oh, Very that's bizarre. yeah. He—he
1: he was just mini Tony. They needed to mini bring Tony in, D.
0: They needed to bring some masculinity in. As soon as Daniel <laughs> got a little too uh, fluffy, if you know what I mean.
1: a little too Faustino. So. Uh, that's how I got reacquainted
0: with Night Court. And then that brings back all these memories of, so Night Court comes out in 1984. It runs for, we'll get into more depth, um,
1: analysis. Actually. Wait, I know how to start it. Go for it. Uh, have a good night, Court. The Court is now in session. Please rise for the Honorable Hans K. Freiwald And Casey Van
0: Heel. That's not even. I like that. (laughs) I like that. Keep that. Write that baby down. Like that needs to be written down. And uh, real quick, it is interesting to remember. So you know, I went back to school somewhat recently. Night court school. I went back to. uh, What would night court school be? What's you got to pass the the
1: bar? Yeah, Uh, yeah. I do like that. It is nighttime. Like, we'll get into the setting and like why it was, but the setting's fantastic.
0: Um, yeah. I was going to, no, uh, I say, I say, I'm going to just give like the very broad description of the show. And I say that only because in going back to school, mm-hmm. uh, I do, it's easy to forget how, uh, it's easy to think yourself younger than you are. Especially when you oh, f- sure. are, don't necessarily live a quote-unquote adult lifestyle like me yeah, or yeah, yeah. or you. So when I'm in right. school and I'm making references even to things as recent as... Um, I, and I was going to say the critic, but true, <laughs>
1: like holy shit, you know? that's
0: even like all <laughs> shit. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> as recent as this twenty-year-old cartoon, and but that's the thing that seems recent to me. Whereas even
0: Night Court, because I was ran, ran from nineteen eighty-four to ninety-two.
1: Yeah, that's it's well
0: like ways. that's there's people drinking in bars that weren't born in nine that were born after ninety-two. You know? Oh,
1: so yeah. oh yeah. So
0: it is real quick synopsis. Uh, night court, and I'm just taking it offline, right? Night court's an American. Oh God, this is like this is pure uh C minus material. We want a little,
1: We need give some. Give it a little sizzle. Huh? We need some scholarly sources. So night, like you, you are. This is the book of night court. Like, give us some spice. All right. Well, geez. the year was 1984.
0: January 4th, 1984. I was but a babe. I was less than one year old. I was born in 1983. I had an older brother who's 10 years older than me who will come into play later on because he is my connection and my mentor to the world that is situational comedy, specifically Night Court. Uh, And Night Court is a show that ran on NBC From January 4th, 1984 to 1992, that gives it nine seasons. It took place during a night shift in a Manhattan courtroom. And the protagonist of the show was a very young, a very hip, 80s comedian at the time. Harry Anderson, uh, Harry Na- Niche, played very by Niche, played comedians. by very niche comedian Harry Anderson, uh, who, uh, uh, who played Harry T. Stone, Judge in Jeans, young judge oh, that man, Judge in Jeans that presided over a nightly shift, uh, uh in a Manhattan courtroom, the uh, scum shift, the scum shift, and it's interesting enough. So that's like a little setup. Eat, distill it down. Night Court. <laughs> yeah. People that work at court at night in 80s New York.
1: It's perfect. Watch like we'll go like now that we're kind of cracking it. Like all you got to do is watch the intro. Like, sure. The intro is one of those like the intro to the show is such the perfect sitcom intro. If you're going to make a jokey sitcom intro, you're just mimicking Night Court. Because it has, like, just the scenes. Like, I, I lived in New York for 10 years. Like, that, the New York from Night Court is how I will always remember New York City. Sure. It's how I thought of it before I moved there. It's how I thought about while I moved there. Because it's just, 80s New York is New York to me. Like, that's it, the Ghostbusters New York. Uh, it's Absolutely. The New York from the comic books I read. Like, it's...
0: It's the mayor's, it's, you know. Yeah, well, Mayor Koch, right? No, that was seventies. Yeah. But no, seventies and eighties.
1: Ed Koch, correct? Yeah. But the, yeah, when was Cuomo? Was he eighties?
0: Uh, Cuomo would have been late eighties to nineties because there was also uh, Mayor Dinkins.
1: Dinkins, yeah.
0: Um, n- yes. D- let's just well, that l-
1: transitions into the story of the show very well. Sure.
0: Uh, I was gonna I was gonna ask you because I'm trying to recall the. Uh, Can you name one uh, setting or incident, like, of a character in their opening
1: sequence? I'm trying to picture it. I... That was... We were talking about it earlier. Um, So, again, with the intro, the killer jazzy... uh, Jazzy sounds, the saxophone, the steaming grates, the homeless guy, the hot dog carts. Like, sets you up perfectly. Uh, I was going to say the... You know, they introduced the characters. Hans talked about the main character is Judge uh, Harry Stone. Oh, the, yeah. Uh, the sassy judge in jeans. That's all you need to know. He's the cool, cool kid on campus. Judge, judge in jeans and an awful lot of foundation. Yeah. Did
0: you notice that? Rich with yeah. it. Like a Broadway
1: pancake done. <laughs> Boy, okay, go ahead. I just noticed that. Uh, other characters uh Lana Wagner she is the uh, uh I forget the official title court clerk she's the court clerk so she she's the court clerk t- yeah yeah um,
0: and, and and that actress was we can get into it, but she does not remain for the series no that court clerk is changed and replaced so um oh what's that actress name Karen Austin you may yeah. you might know her. From her role as John Candy's wife in Summer Rental,
1: ooh, I do know her from that.
0: Uh, but what I do know is I had forgot that she was in Night Court, but she's only in season one, episode one, the pilot. And then she, yeah. and then she is replaced by a more well-known actress who I can well, find
1: here. We'll have to wait till we get there because she's the she's the court clerk we've got. You're right. You're right. That's Not fair the court game. Clerk Absolutely. We need. So we got hot Lana Wexler, court clerk, sassy judge, Harry T. Stone, Sheila, Sheila Gardner, Sheila Gardner, because was she the public
0: defendant? Uh, yes, Gail Strick, uh, played by Gail Strickland, Strickland,
1: Strickland. So you got your classic eighties <laughs> like hot, sort of like waspy lady. Like she is hot. She's very hot, very hot, but like very like. The scary lady from an eighties movie. Yeah, yeah, she's like, she would be the head of the PTA that would like give you roustabout about kids a a good talking to.
0: But for we're sure a
1: time machine into the
0: gym. We're sure to see those glasses come off and that oh yeah hairband Let your hair down yeah, yeah no doubt about that. I'm excited uh, for that. So
1: she was a public defender, and then the the timeless John Larroquette as the the intelligent austere. Dan Fielding.
0: Fantastic character. There was obviously, we, I mean, this is just, let's just, this is just a lick of that iceberg. We are going to get, oh yeah. Seer, we are going to, it's going to be a fielding of dreams when we're yes. dealing with this. He is a, a great character. And
1: interestingly enough, uh, are, are we delving into the pilot now? I th- guess we should start because then we can get to the intro. Yeah. So, yeah. The ep- Episode starts, We it's set again, we're in scumbaggy New York, it is night court,
0: Uh, Mm.
1: all the extra actors are amazing, because they're all homeless guys, prostitutes, or crazy people. So, again, going back to
0: what you said about why we love this New York, because that is what was going on. If you see actual footage of New York, it is rife with uh, homelessness. Um, Yeah. Uh, prostitution, all of these things are going crazy. A big part of it ha- deals with Reagan put a lot of people yeah. that were mentally ill out and uh, out of th- push them out of the institutions that was keeping them healthy and yeah. safe and just literally dumped them on the street. And, g- and also the fact that New York was having horrible budget crises. So there was like this huge disparity of wealth. So, there was just, it was a very dangerous time. Like, you lived in New York. We we both lived in New York for a while. Yeah. And we'll talk to, uh, we have a lot of friends that have lived here for a long time, particularly through the 80s, 70s and 80s, but 80s. Mm-hmm. And they have such a blasé attitude about the very real dangers of living in New York at the time. Ones that you hear every so often. We have a friend, um, Mitch, who was held yeah. up like... But just on such a regular basis, the amount of uh, crime they had to deal with and, like, worry and getting stuck up and uh, areas that literally... I don't think there's many areas in New York where you just literally basically have signs up that just say, and that sign might be a person on the corner, do not go here.
1: Like, that just kind of doesn't exist. It it. It does, but you would never accidentally find yourself in that place. Right. It's not it's not the beginning of Batman. Where whereas 80s New York, like obviously if you're anywhere in Brooklyn at that time, like you're not and you don't belong, like there's you you have no reason. Exactly. Like if you were in Williamsburg, Brooklyn in nineteen eighty four, you'd probably be dead. That's the thing. And and but they even if you were in uh Times
0: Square yeah. Uh, an hour after the shows got out, you were there for two reasons, to get a hooker, or to get drugs, or you were stupid enough to stay there too late, and you're, you're a mark. In danger. You're a mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, all right, obviously, uh, time has passed, and, and, and it's okay to like uh, fantasize about that now. Obviously, it was dangerous, but this is 84 New York. This is happening, yeah. and yet they're lampooning it for the rest of the world, which is a pretty- yeah. It's a it's a pretty interesting avenue to go and I love it and again that's why uh we I I have this specific vision of New York. It yeah. Doesn't matter how long I've lived here, I still have that same no. those same feelings.
1: Well and like it all goes back to the guy the creator um Reingold We w we- we- Wegs, Weege? It's an interesting Weegs? it's interesting. I we will discover how to how to I was doing some research on him. Reinhold we- Weegi.
0: Weege. Steve Weeby. He was a
1: writer on the show Barney Miller, which I didn't see a lot of. Yeah, same here. Um, which is the same format, but it's about cops. I believe in the Bronx. It, you're absolutely and right. It all takes place in a police station, so every background character is some sort of crook or criminal or weirdo. Someone who would have a reason to be in a police station. So he took that format and made it larger. Mm-hmm. So it's just populated with these There's no... Like, a a straight-laced yuppie, if he's in there, it's for a punchline. Right.
0: And keeping in mind that Barney Miller is another aspect of New York, it's taking place in a police department in the Bronx in 1970s New York. Yeah, and it's another decade of weird... If anybody knows about New York in the 70s, they know it was really rough. But they also know that the Bronx was literally on fire. Like, the Bronx... Just they had this intense uh, white flight. And so Manhattan was pushing all of their diversity, all of these people of color. They were just pushing out because real estate was going through the roof. And uh, what was happening is the real estate started becoming uh, more and more valuable in the South Bronx. So uh, uh, landlords and building owners couldn't get these. They just didn't have the rights to get these tenants out unless... There was the so they just burned these apartment buildings down with people inside them. Like it was a really fucked up time.
1: So right, Reinhold, They just is- wanted to get their money and get the fuck out of Manhattan. Yeah, or exactly. the Bronx or wherever. No, so this is the New York that Night Court takes place in. It's the where people are on top of each other before the sort of like I'll use the term like corporatization or disnification of manhattan sure which i'm not using in a negative way but i'm just saying like before this hegemony like you couldn't walk from one like it's in the area where there were like zones and if you went from one zone to the other which is maybe four blocks away sure maybe across the width of manhattan which you can walk across in what maybe 20 minutes 35 minutes sure one into the other uh yeah, you'd, it's like when you think of like, don't go on that block, you'll die. It's that. Exactly. It's real. So that's what we're seeing in, uh, that's the peanut
0: gallery, if you will, which yes. we might as well discuss. I'm sure we're going to see some familiar faces in there, which I'm excited about, right? Yeah. But we'll just, we'll just say the gallows, as they're called. You yeah. can consider that one character. If you're in a writing room oh, yeah. for Night Court, you are writing for... The gallows as a character. And and there's sure. so much malleability there, which is so much fun because it's
1: the best, like it's just this roiling sea of like you needed punchline, you can turn the camera to the jury box or the fucking people like you said, the gallows. And like, for example, in this episode, yep. they had a creepy looking old Italian guy in a dirty bathrobe, lands a punchline, and that's it. He's like, But how about can we whoop and yip? And you're like, perfect, good, great. <laughs> or what was the what was the joke? Uh, he. Uh, we'll get. I mean, do you want to get into it now, or should we just go back to the beginning? We we we'll, we'll get to it. That's a taste. It's That's only a, taste a twenty treaser. minute. It's only treaser. a twenty minute long show. So it's yep. like it really does feel tight without
0: those commercials, huh?
1: Yeah,
0: I'd love to do a little segment on the advertising that you
1: would have been seeing around this time. Ooh, yeah. We'll parcel it out. Because I was thinking doing a crime blotter, if we can find it, like, because I don't know how many episodes are in season one, Twenty. No, s- season one is only 13 episodes. 13. So you could do, we could do one month, like the worst crime of January, 1984 in New York City. Each episode, we can sort of talk about what the biggest crime at the time would be. Sure. In New York City if we can find it i thought about that as we were talking oh so abs- absolutely we i didn't do know. the
0: footwork for it i mean because you got to think about when you're watching how else did we get our news at the time newspaper but you're also getting your 10 o'clock news right after you're watching your night court um right i'll have to do i have to relook at what the tv schedule of when it aired it moved around a little bit but it so, followed
1: it it was on wednesdays for the first 12 episodes but then the series the season finale moved to Thursday after Cheers.
0: Ooh, that's a hot spot. And Harry Anderson would often enter a little crossover Cheers. Spoilers. Yeah,
1: he was yeah, Harry the Hat. He was a crook on Cheers.
0: Oh yeah, he didn't play Harry T Stone.
1: We'll we'll get into his niche comedy. Yeah. Which where we getting? All right, so here we go. We're diving in. Court is in session. The Honorable Hans K is here. I am here.
0: KCV. We're going in.
1: KCV, and the episode begins in the best way ever.
0: The judge will be here any minute. Are you finished painting? Yeah. Well, then what are you doing? I'm watching a naked couple in the building across the alley, they're fooling around. That's depraved. Too soon to tell. I meant you. How would you like somebody watching you and your wife doing that? My wife won't do that.